0: Hello and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan, a short-form comic book podcast where my goal is to help you find that next fantastic read or discover an old favorite. I cover comics from the golden age to now, indies, and Kickstarter campaigns. You never know what I might cover, but you will know where to find fantastic comics to read at the end of each episode. It's Friday, September 30th, 2022, at episode 76 of the podcast. Today, I start my second year of the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast and find myself being both reflective and forward-thinking. When I started the podcast, I didn't have too much in way of goals. A few mandates, like the comics had to be available in a digital format, where you can read them on your computer or tablet. From my standpoint, it gets tiresome hearing debates about physical versus digital copies. I want comic shops and anywhere you can buy physical copies of comics to thrive and continue to grow. However, like Marvel Unlimited, you can read every issue of the original runs of Marvel's best comics, like The Fantastic Four, Iron Man. Within the past month or so, the last issues of the first run of Daredevil were added to the service. Obtaining all of those comics in any format can be pricey. Over on Comic Book Plus, you know, those people are amazing. There are thousands of thousands of comics in public domain that have been scanned and made available. They're also continuing to always add more comics. In addition, you often find fantastic artists and other creators who got lost over time. Or you can find the first work by a creator. For example, I recently found Jim Apparel's first published art on the site. From a historical and legacy standpoint, all comics by the major publishers should eventually be made available in a digital format. I would love to see all 207 issues of Millie the Marvel as part of Marvel Unlimited. It ran from 1945 through 1973 and helped pay the bills at Marvel during the lean times. Stan Goldberg, who worked on many of the Millie stories, made big contributions to Marvel and should be more recognized. Not to take away anything from Kirby, Dick, or Lee, but Marvel is more than just those recognizable names. Another mandate, I went for a short-form podcast. Most episodes are under 30 minutes. I'm humbled by how many fantastic podcasts are out there putting out fantastic shows. I'm not kind to compete with anyone, but find my own niche. While talking heads are okay, not that everyone does a talking head podcast, I don't want this podcast to be a bunch of fans going on and on, leaving frustrated listeners wishing we would get to the friggin' point. Guests like this too, as they get out what they want, and everyone is happy. I'm not doing this podcast for the bragging rights of saying, look at me, I'm a big podcaster. And often I get asked by people not familiar with podcasting, do you make money off of it? Well, monetizing could happen. Truthfully, it's not a goal. I recently updated my tagline. I want the podcast to grow and continue to introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. That's more important to me than actually making money. I put a lot of time, effort, and energy into the podcast. I used to do not a great job of editing, for example. Mostly because my voice grates on me and I hate editing myself. A common thing with podcasters. I had to change the narrative in my own head to say that I need to make the guests sound good. And the best thing I could do is to remove all those long pauses, uh, cost deep intakes of breath. And that goes not only for them, but for me also, it takes about an hour to edit a 15 minute guest spot. Not that all guests need a lot of editing, but sometimes I need a lot of editing in these guest spots. I've cut out a lot of my own tangents and spiels. And not so long ago, I remember complaining while editing if I say so one more time, I'm going to rip out my own tongue. I wanted to give everyone a little insight into the inner workings of the podcast, which brings us to today's episode. I'm putting this together Friday morning and getting it up later today. There's only one of me, and I do have a life outside of podcasting. This is the second part of my three-part conversation with Gary Carlson. This time, we're talking about Big Bang comic books over the years. I could have run all this into one big episode, but it goes against that short-form mandate. It's also the first time I've had a multi-part run of episodes. I've been looking at the stats since yesterday's episode, and Gary's doing pretty well. Thank you for listening. Also, I've gotten some fantastic feedback. Thank you. Gary is such a great guest. You're going to love this episode, too. Now, what I want you to do is go back to listen to some of the past episodes of this podcast. There are some fantastic listeners i have had great guests promoting their indie projects. I have great guests talking about comics they love. Now, one more thing. Last thing I promise. Please, look at the show notes. You'll find information on Big Bang Comics and Linktree on the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. Follow this podcast on social media. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I, again, want this podcast to continue to grow and, as I've said, to introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Now, on to today's show. I have Gary Carlson here today, and we are talking right now about Big Bang comic books. How did that whole concept come about Why did you choose the name and all that stuff? What's what's the origin behind the
1: company? Oh, gosh. Like I said, we were doing uh, a book called Berserker at, at Caliber Press. And my buddy, Chris Ecker, said he wanted to do an old style comic. And we started off and decided, we pretty much decided to try ghosting the writing style and the art style on classic characters. I mean... Uh, we weren't looking to do just one we were looking kind of to do you know Siegel and Schuster stories and Bob Kane stories and uh, Simon and Kirby and and anybody you know so that just the first one turned out to be the night watchman which you know like again Chris's first idea was daredevil but i kind of steered it in a a batmany direction i just figured batman had the greatest uh villains as far as I at least golden and silver age as far as I was concerned and and it fit his style perfectly I mean we started off that way and second up was it was a character called Ultraman which we eventually changed into Ultaman copyright and all that stuff and uh and we just kind of went on from there Uh, we decided to make it sort of the background the Megaton comics in the eighties was really considered a new generation of heroes megaton was a new guy ultra girl was ultiman's daughter berserker i mean all those guys they were new characters we thought we will tell the retro stories from their past i mean that's where ultiman was they were just you know pretty much uh, silver age stories of her father before she was born and and then we decided well same with with dc we were just trying to give people new classic comics they hadn't read i mean back in the the 90s there were still people that had grown up on comics in the 60s and 70s and were familiar with this stuff so it was easier easier to find artists who were inspired um, by that work and and people loved it like i said the first couple backups we did we just said oh these are some a very minor company that no one knew about. And everybody's writing in saying, where did these come from? Was this a Canadian, you know, blah, 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 if they thought it was real. And we are like, eh, it's, you know, we just kept doing it. Eventually, Caliber let us do a mini series. And we told it, I mean, it was going to be three. It was, there was the first one, the golden age book was going to be a 64 page book and then a silver age book and then a modern book. So and, how, how long were you at Caliber? A uh, couple of years, um, 92 through 94, 95, I really don't know. It was a pretty nice, it was a nice little run. They, they had a deal with Walmart, I think, where they were doing new comics that were being sold, bagged in Walmart for a couple of bucks or whatever. So it was nice. We were doing it, uh, doing independent books and able to do them in color like I said, those colors were provided by Murphy Anderson's company. So it was a fun to be in color comic superhero comics kind of need color. You
0: you had mentioned that Murphy
1: Anderson had a company. What what was this company all about? Uh, I don't know. I I think they provided, they did coloring, you know. Um, I'm not sure what else they might have done. That's pretty much what they did for us where I'd send it in, they'd color it up and I think they sent it back, sent uh, burned the negatives and sent them back. It was ready to go to the printer. Yeah, yeah, these were old days, you know. We, I mean, I my job at the time I was working uh, for a big printing firm and we were doing prepress, and I was working in the art art and camera department then, and uh, was able to to shoot some negatives. And I was cutting colors <laughs> at the time, so I knew how to do some of that myself. It was tough to go through a whole. 32 page book and you know again I was working and and also I I was and writing a lot of the stuff and editing so it just worked out where there was some money so we were able to pay his company to color it and uh, that's what we did I'm not even sure how we met up with him to do it someone must have connected you yeah so
0: you went from caliber to image comics how long
1: were you at image Oh gosh, probably eight or nine years. I mean, altogether that image before that. I was doing the Vanguard book. And so I was probably an image from ninety-two or ninety-three until the early two thousands. So from there, that's when you decided to make big bang comics and a that, separate entity? Well, we had done that the the, the mini series at Caliber. We decided it went from the backups in Berserker. Like I said, it just That's what people were interested in more, more so than the front of the book. And at the 1963 came out, and people were talking retro. And here we had stuff ready to go. So Caliber's like, "Okay, let's do it." And and then they had high hopes for it. And then they they and their distributor popped up and wanted to split the copyrights. They would take a third. The distributor would take a third, and we'd be have a third. And I said, "No, we we decided Chris and I we didn't want to do that. So we told them no. So it cut everything short there but then image uh, eric popped up and said why don't you bring it over to image i mean we were already planning on using his mighty man character and chris was good friends with jim valentino and we were going to have a you know a shadow hawk story in preparation and the idea was just to be able to do stuff with all their different characters we were going to do uh retro characters of spawn so a lot of that stuff didn't turn out, but I mean, that was kind of the plan, so. Is there a big continuity
0: with the Big Bang comics, or are they pretty much self-contained, don't really
1: rely on past stories? Are they interconnected? They are interconnected, but it's always been an anthology book. I mean, you can pick up one issue, and the next two issues will be something different. The sales were never there, really, to make money or support us. I mean, I think had... We've been able to do a Night Watchman book, pencil you know, like a lot of uh, retro stuff. Did I mean none of that stuff ever was super super sellers, but I I think it would have established us. So I mean, like I said, it was just this issue to that issue, and we kind of went here and there back and forth between Silver Age and and Golden Age, and and it's still that way these days. Just <laughs> happy to get the latest book out, you know, and yeah, there is. There is a continuity to, to each particular character. And if you've read various stories with the characters, you will know it. But if, if you haven't read or if you're reading the first one, we try to make it to where you come coming and you learn what you need to know about the character. And that's what there is. It's a, a pretty much a self-contained story. So,
0: so when did you start yeah. getting into publishing it yourself and, and just doing it all yourself on your end with your company?
1: yeah and toward the end of time we were just barely breaking even and yeah i mean in the books the last one or two lost money and had to pay them back and that got to be expensive i mean actually from the very start they weren't super profitable i mean we went over there and started on the end of six issues, image fifteen thousand dollars mm. something like that so we did the next batch of books in black and white <laughs> just to pay them back and then after that it was more or less breaking even we were coming out a little bit ahead with a little bit of this and then tried a couple of color specials again and went okay but then like i said the last issue or two at image lost money again and I own the money i said okay can't do this anymore and I, just because you know there was a certain amount of money a image took a cut off the front uh, what I don't know, but then you had to cover that to pay it back, and we just weren't doing it. So at a point, we just reached a point where it's like, okay, let let's try self publishing through Diamond. We went through Diamond, and and again, I mean, without images visibility, our sales dropped <laughs> again to where we, we weren't doing them fifteen hundred and and this and that, but we were pretty much breaking even again. We did six issues of Big Bang Present. And uh, at that point, it was like a diamond was, I think, looking to get rid of people and said, "Okay, a book's got to make this much money and this many copies and whatever. And we just weren't doing it. So we thought, "Okay, time to quit. Another year or two later, uh, Miracomics, Mark Heike, and they approached and said, hey, we can do your book here and, you know, blah, blah. It wouldn't be that expensive and whatever but the problem they, they it, it <laughs> because of what we were selling it had to be a a book that they could charge 10 bucks for and in order to do that it had to be 64 pages or more so we tried that it was just kind of hard to fill a 64 page book because all along i mean nobody was making money the artists were doing it and they would work for a while and get tired of doing it for nothing or doing it just for fun you know before that i had actually started doing a few print on demand things at kablam and so since that stuff hadn't been through diamond i was able to reprint some of those in the americomics books there was a national we had done two issues of i had printed two issues of national guardians at kablam had not listed them on indie planet at the time so i just kind of printed out you know a handful of copies and we reprinted those at, at, uh, AmeriComics, and I had a couple of Ultiman stories, and we put those out, but it just got too hard to, to do a 64-page book, even that's often, I mean, people, it's tough, and, as it is, to, to get artists excited about doing it, and when they don't see the books coming out, they, like, don't, you know, they lose interest, and it turns out easier these days, they were getting a book out every two months or so, and, And there's still a lot of them that start on something and drop out, but some of the other ones are excited and they know it'll be coming out. That's pretty much what I promise people.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you stick around for future episodes. If you like this podcast, please spread the word. Recommend it to comic fans. With this episode, I've added a link tree to the show notes, allowing you easy access to the comic fan podcasts, platforms, and social media accounts. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Again, thanks so much for listening. See you next time.